her body was discovered in a nearby wooded area. She was stabbed 19 times and left for dead where two adults have been shot to death. 143 people have been murdered. Hundreds more have been shot. She had been stabbed to death. It was the bloodiest thing I think I've ever been to. Welcome to the newest true crime podcast, Dark and Dudley. We're your hosts. I'm Haley. And I'm Gina. And we started this podcast because we're both super into true crime and podcasts. So here we are. Yes, very into it. And then we're just going to switch off every other episode with one of us covering a case that has been heavy on our hearts lately, or it's a case that we're just super interested in. And then if you have any suggestions, any of our listeners out there, feel free to send us a Gmail at darkanddudleypod at gmail.com. And then we also have an Instagram where we'll post. Yeah. So I think the idea is that um, we'll post the articles that we found, any videos, audio recordings, whatever additional information we can give you guys into what the case of the week is. So there will be lots of really important and key details that we'll post on our Instagram page. Right. And then if we're doing missing persons cases, that'll have also resources on if you have any additional information that could be pertinent to closing cases that will be on there as well. Yes. So that the Instagram is at dark and deadly pod, um, which I realized our acronym is dad dark and deadly. We're just, we're kicking it off with a bang. We just love dads. They're the best. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So today I am going to start it off, start us off with a missing persons case. And I like to cover missing persons cases or like unsolved cases, even though they're super frustrating at the same time, Um, just because there have been instances where cases have been solved by people who aren't in law enforcement. There have been podcasts that have helped solve cases even, And sometimes people have information they just don't know could be helpful to a case. So I like to spread word and awareness. I know Gina does too. We just kind of like to talk about it and get that information out there. So today I'm going to- Oh, fully. Yeah. So today I'm going to be talking about Eric Lee Franks. And Eric was adopted when he was five weeks old. I did not get a year in here of when Eric went missing. Can you look that up for me really quick? Yes, I can. Because I don't know why I don't have the year that he went missing. I don't think. So Eric was adopted. Uh, 2011, March of 2011. Okay. Okay, cool. So Eric was adopted when he was five weeks old to an incredibly loving couple who were struggling on their own to conceive. And they did actually end up biologically having a daughter, Eric's sister, a few years after they adopted Eric without the help of um, adoption. I don't know if they did fertility treatments, not that that really matters to the case, but the family was super close knit and Eric was born in North Carolina, but the family ended up moving to Nashville, Tennessee, where they lived until Eric graduated high school. So he spent most of his childhood in Tennessee He had a lot of personality, big energy, and was super funny. He kept everybody on their toes. Everybody just enjoyed being around him. And he had super big dreams of becoming either a producer or a screenwriter. And his plan was to move to California 
after he graduated. But after he graduated, he took a break to evaluate his life and what he wanted to do. And then at 19 years old, he made the decision to meet his biological family, even though it was a closed and private adoption. But he did meet some of his biological family, even though his mother did die when she was still fairly young. And I don't know if that was also a reason why she gave him up for adoption. Is that she was just, she was a young mom and yeah, you know, couldn't handle a baby. Yeah. I don't know if that, if she had health problems or maybe like a drug addiction, um, oh. but she did, but she did die when she was still fairly young. Um, that's sad. Yeah. And so he was able to close that chapter in his life that he always wondered about and move on after he met his biological family. So that's good for him. Um, and then he moves out on his own and his mother introduces him to a young girl by the name of Kendra. And I believe Kendra was 15 at the time of their meeting. So he was 15 or sorry, she was 15 and he was 19 and they were just friends at first. But by the time Eric was 21, which this would make her 17, they started officially dating and their relationship didn't last too long. And they ended up breaking up by no choice of Eric. Eric was still very much in love with Kendra when she left him, but they went their separate ways. And she had called a friend by the name of John to help her move back to Michigan where her family was. And after the breakup, he ultimately decided, Eric, after the breakup, decided to ultimately follow his dreams and move away from his family to California to pursue his career in the film industry. So he quickly realized that Los Angeles wasn't for him and he couldn't afford the life he wanted to live there. So he made a giant leap by moving to Mississippi on his own. He didn't have any family there, didn't know anybody there. But by the age of 26, he found a woman by the name of Gail who had already had a son previously with another man. And they fell head over heels for each other. Eric loved her and her son and they ended up getting married. And at this point he felt super at peace with his life. He was incredibly happy with Gail. They had started, you know, their little family Mm -hmm. and that was going well until about 2006 when things started taking a turn. And what really started all of this was his father passing away, which completely devastated him. Oh, understandably. I mean, like I would feel pretty guilty living so far away. And if your dad died, it's one of the main reasons I haven't moved away from where my parents live. Right. And I think it'd be super hard for me. I, I mean, I miss my dad and my grandparents all the time. Oh, I can imagine. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. If my if my m- mom wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, don't blame you. <laughs> so he looked up to and adored his father. So it was really, really hard on him and it took a toll on their marriage. And then shortly after this, the recession hit and Eric lost his job, forcing them to move to Ohio, which is where his mom and his family was living now. And there was a lot of tension building up in their marriage. Um, He was having a hard time finding and keeping a job. He felt super lonely because him and his wife weren't getting along very well. So at this point, he starts reconnecting with old friends on Facebook. And Uh, good old Facebook. Good old Facebook. I miss the MySpace days. 
I, I was gonna say this is like 2006 so so that must have Facebook been like would what? have would have just been new like right. new new right no top eights for you to get jealous over no um <laughs> that was like I, I mean the first time I got a Facebook well and I think the first time I got a Facebook was like 2010 yeah I think I was in like- no 2008 I would have probably been a freshman in high school I think I, I got a Facebook in eighth grade. So everyone that's listening, we are um, 27 years old. Almost 30. So I don't want to talk about don't it. Don't say it. <laughs> can't okay. handle it. <laughs> so he goes to look for Kendra because he wants to talk to Kendra. He wants to reconnect with old friends. And he always referred to Kendra as the one who got away. Okay, so he really wanted to reconnect with Kendra. He was having a really hard time finding her. (laughs) And so he tries a different approach and he searches for the last person that he knew that she was with. And that was John. And it had been 16 years since Eric had seen Kendra last. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, he would always refer to her as the one that got away, which I would be super offended if I was his wife. I know. Well, and are they divorced at this point? Um, they were in the middle of a separation, but they were not gotcha. divorced yet when he So he's kind of started rekindling what's still out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to his surprise, he was able to find John. And so he sent John a message explaining that he was trying to find Kendra. And John replied, letting him know that he would give Kendra's information um, or give Kendra Eric's information. And let her mm-hmm. decide what she wanted to do with that, whether or not she wanted to reach out to him. And she actually does get in contact with Eric. And to his surprise, she tells him that John and herself are actually married, married, which John left out of the initial conversation, which is weird. Wait, so this guy hits this guy up asking for his wife's information. And he doesn't preface, preface it by saying, hey... I'm married to her, just FYI. Right. No, he's like, okay, I'll give her your information and we'll see if she can make the decision if she wants to get a hold of you or not. Not, yeah, that's my wife. I'll I'll let you know. What guy wouldn't like do that? I, I mean, even if your marriage isn't great, wouldn't you still let the other person know, like, oh hey, yeah, we ended up getting married. Here's her here's her number. Right. Exactly. I mean, you could think that it's just innocent, but if this is her ex-boyfriend, I don't know. Well, and if he, especially if he knows the information that I'm going to cover here in a minute. Oh, okay. So Eric was scrolling through Kendra's Facebook page one day and found out, cause she did have a Facebook page, but she had a set probably like only friends of privacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she, he finds out that she has two daughters and in one of the posts, she had posted a picture of each of the girls with their names and their birthdays. And after some quick math, he realizes that the oldest daughter had been conceived within nine months of the last time they had gone together. What? So so it was very, very possible that Emily, the daughter could be his daughter. And Mm. so Eric confronts Kendra about this and she confirms that she was two months pregnant with his child when they had broken up. Did she not 
try to reach out to him to tell him like, hey, you have a kid. Nope. What? Nothing. Oh my gosh. That's a horrible town knowing that she was pregnant and never told him. <sighs> so I guess I that like that leaves me with the question, did John know that it was Eric's or did he think it was she was his? I mean, so John drove her back home, right? To mm-hmm. Michigan. Right. So maybe she could have passed it off uh, like as his kid if they had gotten together when he was driving her. I mean, listen, people have done weirder things to try to pass off a pregnancy as somebody else's kid. Right. So who knows? But she would have, if she was two months pregnant when they left, I don't know. Men are also not very smart, so they don't even know. True. And this was, yeah. I mean, a while ago, so. I, I I didn't mean, like, men are stupid. I meant, like, in the ways of pregnancy, too. Like, they don't really. No, no, no. And that's Sometimes, what I mean, too, yeah. is that, like, machines. Um, so if this girl was, what? how old was she when they found out? Well, they were together when she was 17. And that was, like, the 80s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think the medical equipment was that sophisticated yet necessarily. Right. True. To I, give it like think an actual conception date. Yeah. I don't think that finding out this information changed everything for Eric. He was beyond excited and wanted to meet Emily. He happily told his family the news, but they weren't quite ex- as ecstatic as he was. And I have to say, I would probably be the same way. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, like in terms of, I didn't, I wouldn't know if she was being honest or not because they, I mean, really I would urge be extremely him. skeptical. Exactly. They really urged him to get a paternity test. test. Yeah. Well, and they, I mean, it's a smart thing to do. It really is because people are liars. So they urged him to get a DNA test done to make sure before he got too invested in this relationship and he flat out said, no, he had made up his mind. He told his mother that she was a girl version of him, that they looked exactly alike. And just in his heart, he knew that she was his. So he had no doubts whether or not Emily was his daughter and didn't really care what anybody had to say about it. So a paternity test. That is a little too much confidence. Too much confidence. I think he was just like really holding out hope there that maybe him and Kendra could rekindle their relationship and have this family that he wanted with her. Which I find well, really and- bizarre. After 16 years, you're still hung up on somebody. Do you know how much change somebody goes through in 16 years? But I think if you have like an unhappy marriage and then you think back to like, Hey, this one thing that I had when I was younger, which is probably like the last real relationship that he had, I'm assuming between Gail and Kendra was Kendra. So if it's like this significant thing and you look back on it and you constantly look back on it with like rose colored glasses. Yeah. And you play that what if game enough, you're going to like fantasize about this relationship to the point where it doesn't matter she how suddenly much time is like, has passed. Oh, fully. And then she's yeah. like, hey, I have your kid. And that's just one other thing connecting him to her. 
And one other thing connecting him to this fantasy of like, oh my gosh, I have a daughter. Oh my gosh. It's with this woman that I still to this day think is the one that got away. Oh my gosh. What can I like? It's my ideal world and I'm getting out of this divorce and suddenly here's this. So, I mean, right. It must be a sign that this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I can get his like overzealousness, but you got to calm down and get a paternity test. (laughs) Right. Just take a second. So by this time, Gail had had it with their marriage. And within two years of moving to Ohio, she did leave the marriage and filed for divorce. So on And they October, had no kids together, right? No kids together. Only her her son from the previous relationship. Okay. So on October 25th, 2010, so I guess I did have the year in there, Eric left for Michigan and he wanted to go and co-parent with Kendra and possibly try rekindling a relationship with her. And even if that didn't pan out the way that he wanted it to, he planned on staying there regardless and at least having a relationship with Emily. And Kendra made it seem like this was a possibility for him. Like as soon as he got there, he was going to be able to meet Emily and I mean, make up for lost time basically and getting to know her and everything. That is not how it panned out at all. So He stayed in a motel for a little bit because his options were pretty limited due to the finances that he, I mean, he still struggled to have and keep a job. And then if you add moving into a completely different state, that causes a lot of financial issues. So he's living at this motel. That's all he could afford. He would find odd jobs here and there to make money. And he would even do some work around the motel for the owner in order for him to kind of pay his way to stay there. So his first month in Michigan was pretty rough. Eric would talk to his mom frequently and she would ask how things were going. And if he had finally met Emily yet, and he claimed Kendra was playing a lot of mind games with him. Uh Oh, so like I said, before he moved there, she made it seem like they were excited for him to be coming and that Emily knew about her dad, but what she really did was just lead him on. And I don't know if she didn't expect him to actually make the leap and move there. But once he got there, things were not how she made it seem like it was going to be. So, so essentially he, sorry. So he like had the rug pulled out from underneath him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kendra starts telling him that they didn't know if they should even let Emily meet him or tell him tell her that he was her dad. I mean, I would be devastated. You give up everything. I mean, your marriage has fallen apart. You move completely away with the expectations of meeting your daughter. And then all of a sudden you get nothing out of it. I'd be pretty frustrated, but he didn't oh, give I up too. And he ended up and it did end up paying off for him. I guess he's not as petty as I am. Cause I'd be, I'm pretty petty. Kendra started picking him up on Fridays with Emily and they would go and do things together, like go to the mall or go roller skating. And Emily still didn't know that he was her father. Kendra had just been introducing him as a friend. And then in late November, early December, Emily found out that Eric was her dad. And Kendra and John at this time, I guess, are were estranged. So I don't know if that's also why John didn't mention 
that they were not married or that they still were bizarre still, still bizarre to me <laughs> their marriage Fully. Is on, yeah i mean even if your marriage is on the rocks i'd be like just so you know i am i am technically legally married to somebody so did you find out at all if john was aware of the fact that emily wasn't his daughter i didn't find it anywhere interesting because either kendra played it off like it was john's kid or john stepped in and raised another man's child right but at that point even if it is if it's the latter isn't that kind of weird that he didn't mention that he was married to kendra if he was aware that he he was raising child yeah yeah i don't know that i mean kendra and john are very weird people Mm. explains it yeah so it might seem at this point to eric that things are kind of working out in his favor kendra's relationship is rocky he's hopeful that they might end up together March 10th, 2011 rolls around, and this would be the last time that Eric's mother spoke with him on the phone. He sounded super excited and happy on this last phone call. He was telling her that he was going to be moving out of the motel and there was a good job in the opportunity in the works for him. He sounded like he was starting to get his life together and she was very happy for him. This was five months after he moved there. So he's, this is what he's been working towards and he's finally getting it. So his mother tried to get in contact with him after March 10th. And the weird things, weird thing is, is when she would try and call him, he wouldn't answer his phone, but she would immediately get an email back from him. So he would not text her even. He would email her. Email her, not a text message, which... 2011 texting was a pretty big thing yes so that's not really an excuse no that takes me longer to get into my it would it takes longer for you to get into your email than just to answer the phone and be like hey mom i'm fine god i can't talk right now so i mean call back later yeah yeah even just text message yeah, I don't know. Still, though, Weird. I would like to hear somebody's voice. So his mom didn't think too much about it at the time. He had been pretty busy and he did previously tell her that where he was going to be moving didn't have the greatest cell phone reception. So she was like, OK, whatever. He's 38 years old. It's not like they talked on the phone every single day. So she thought right. he was just busy and getting his life in order. There's nothing for her well, to be also, suspicious of at this point. Right. And if his cell reception is bad i guess sending an email would pop like probably make sense if he lived in an area with poor cell reception i don't know my email sucks sometimes i mean mine does too but i've sent trailing so (laughs) so now we're heading into july and august and she still hasn't heard from him at all now no i mean just the occasional emails after phone calls and I'd be now, panicking. yeah, now she's starting to question where the hell he is and why she wouldn't hear for him ex- from him except through email. And he had plans to go back to Ohio for a dentist appointment in July. And this was something he was super excited about because he was getting permanent dentures. 
and he had already paid for it and everything. And this was like an established dental office. So he, he was going to make the trip back and he was going to bring Emily with him so that she could meet his family. So this was a super exciting trip that he just wouldn't miss, but the day rolls around for the appointment and he doesn't make it. So Eric also stops posting on Facebook as frequently, whereas he used to be one of those daily posters. Like, here's what I'm eating for breakfast. I just listened to John Lennon on the radio, like one of those people. Right. Using Facebook as a journal. Yeah, exactly. And from being a guy who posts every detail of his life, and then all of a sudden it was super random and sporadic and and the posts didn't seem like Eric. So it was pretty alarming to some of his friends so much so that they reached out to him and tried to get in contact with him. And the same thing would happen to those friends as, as to his mom, they would either not get anything from him at all or get an email. And one of his really good friends that was close by or that he was close to reached out to Kendra in June and his name was Shane and Shane wanted to just make sure that Eric was okay. Kendra told him that everything was fine and that she was with him physically with him and would tell him to get a hold of Shane. And obviously that day never came. Er Shane never heard from Eric. And by August, by August, all email exchanges stopped. It took three months from August for him to be reported missing to Ohio police. Oh so November is when they um, finally reported him. Right. So they passed this on to the Bridgeport police where he was living at the time in Michigan. And a mutual friend of Eric and Kendra's named Leah posted to social media that Eric was missing. And that she was trying to get the word out. After it was posted, Eric's mom out of the blue receives another email from Eric when she hadn't heard from him at all for months. And I don't know the exact context of the email of what he said, but she basically wrote back and said, I'm going to keep looking for you until I actually hear your voice or see you in person. Until then, I'm not retracting the missing persons report. Because right, remember, and she shouldn't. Time, yeah, she hadn't heard his voice since March. Oh my gosh, so, my mom! If she hadn't heard my voice in that long, I would have oh, been she reported after it. a week. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that you could be like asleep in the bed, and if she was out of town and didn't hear from you in 12 hours, someone would Haley, be coming through that send- door. Somebody would be coming through the door. I would have my phone would be blown up. This sounds yeah. like I have like an overprotective mom when I'm 27 saying this, but no, she, she also loves, loves you. She loves me and she loves true crime. And I think that she's just made herself so paranoid at this point. Yeah. And I'm the only daughter of four kids and the baby girl of the family. So I'm right. very much in that like protective bubble still <laughs> to this day. Yeah. And I mean, the world is a scary place. I always have super, um, I guess they're probably morbid thoughts thinking about like the worst thing that could happen in a scenario, but I don't know. I'm just, I watch too much 
true crime stuff. Yeah. So my, I mean, my mom, when I was like 12 used to, when I'd walk out the door to hang out with my best friend who lived a block from us would tell me some kind of horror story of a girl that got kidnapped and raped and chopped up into little pieces and oh my gosh thrown oh fully and I mean she would tell me the cases that happened I live in Boise and she would tell me the cases that happened here well and, and we it's... live in a pretty safe town and so that freaked me out even more so now I just I'm paranoid wherever I go so the police are hesitant to try and find Eric because he's almost 40 years old and if an adult wants to get up and disappear or stop communicating with people that's their their choice and their right to do so yeah oh yeah fully i mean he's a grown man and he's moved several times on his own so it's not like he hasn't done this before exactly and his family got into contact with with kendra asking if she knew his whereabouts or what he what was going on and Kendra gave the same explanation to both Eric's mom and his aunt. And that was that sometime in April, April, they got into a fight and broke things off, which doesn't make sense when she told Shane that she was with him in June. Little reminder. Um, yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. So yeah. her story is already changing. Yep. And for three and days, she told after the police breakup, that. Did she tell, has she told the police anything or have the police questioned her? Uh, they're, they're going to. Gotcha. So for three days after the breakup, she claims that he sat out in front of their house in his car, calling her and harassing her, telling her she was, that he was just going to go to California and get a new girlfriend is what she says. So authorities got the same story from Kendra when they finally decided to pursue this as a missing person's case and not just like an adult runaway. And it was proving to be super difficult given the timeline of events. There had been so much time that had passed. So they try and route the emails that were sent and the location of the last one that was sent out happened to be a Burger King. But since it had been so long, there was no surveillance footage. So that was a dead end. And then they look into his cell phone records and they find out that shortly after he spoke to his mom the last time in March, his phone was turned off, then back on again, then back off. And all the cell cell phone tower pings were around the area in Michigan that he was living in, not in California or anywhere else. So the story that Kendra gave doesn't match up with the evidence, nor does it match up with the fact that she told Shane that she was with him in June. So we're going to go for it. Well, why would you, I just, this is so early on. How do you not remember what you're telling people? Right. And especially like a three, I mean, that's a three month difference between when you're saying you last saw him and when you were telling people his best friend that he was with you. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not a small time period so either I don't know she had enough time to think about it and be like I need to change my story or she genuinely forgot that in June she had talked to his best friend and said that he was with her I'm sure that's what happened is that she panicked when he called not expecting that and just said I'm with him right now what do you mean oh he's fine yeah I'll let him know to give you a call that's probably what happened 
So we're going to bounce back to March 21st really quick. And this was 11 days after the last time Eric talked to his mother. And there were a few phone calls made from his phone. There was a couple calls made to a local business that kind of led to a dead end. There wasn't really any uh, weight, I guess, in those phone calls. And then there were two other ones. One was to a dental office and one was to a salvage yard. And the salvage yard, unfortunately, did come up empty as well. They had no record of having his car there, which was at that point in time missing, or of him inquiring about parts for the car or anything like that. And then the dental office says they didn't speak to Eric and that he was not a patient there, but guess who was? Kendra. Kendra. Wow. So they go and question Kendra, but she denies using his phone. Here is Kendra being interviewed by now retired detective Sean Waterman about why there was a phone call with Aspen Dental made from Eric's phone. I checked Aspen Dental because I was looking for dental records. He was never a patient there. No, I gave But him, you are. I am, and I so gave why would, why would why would someone be calling Aspen Dental? Okay? That tells me... Hear me out here. That tells me that you're probably got the phone. I don't have his well, phone. Hold on, Kendra. Hold on. Okay, so... She, A, never said really to me that she didn't make the phone call from what right. I heard. She was yeah, I think, she didn't trying deny to say it. she didn't deny it. And I think she was trying to say that she just gave him the phone number, but that doesn't really make sense. If he had already paid for these dentures through his old dental clinic, why he would exactly. be calling now Aspen dental. And especially right. if he didn't have dental insurance, which I'm assuming he, he didn't, if he was, you know, between jobs and everything. Yeah. That is just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. Cause that call was made in March, the end of March. And so I don't know why he'd be inquiring about that anyway, because his appointment was in July. Yeah. That seems odd. Yeah. So they leave it at pretty much that like authorities don't do any forensics on the motel, which I kind of understand there because so much time had passed and people were in and out and in and out and whatever. But uh, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel like a lot of investigating happened. (laughs) No. And I think that as a mom, I would just be so upset that they would just give up. Oh, when somebody, when somebody is giving two different stories and they're just kind of shady, I would be like, why are we not looking more into this? Like there's something wrong here. Right. And And so do they not have his like Facebook to see the weird things that he was posting? Yeah. Like the weird inconsistencies after a while. I don't think they even really tried to look into that. So that's when Eric's mom just kind of decides to take the investigation into her own hands and so she calls the motel and the owner was super great and helpful to her he would answer all her questions she had and she finally asked when he checked out for the last time and the owner tells her that he himself eric never checked out 
on the 14th of March, Eric went in and prepaid for the next week. And then on March 15th and 16th, his car was there in the parking lot and his lights in the room were on. And then the 17th through the 20th, his car was gone, but the lights in his room were still on. So the owner kind of gets suspicious and did his own little welfare check. He had gotten close with Eric from staying there and doing jobs around the property. So when he went into the room to make sure that he was okay, he found no Eric, but his belongings were in complete disarray and all of the lights were on. What? Yeah. Like his room had been ransacked? Yeah. And then later on the 20th, he sees Kendra going in and out of the room, grabbing belongings and loading them into a car. So he saw Kendra there. He saw Kendra loading stuff into the car. And he wasn't too alarmed at this point because he knew who she was. Eric had kind of briefed him on the situation as to why he moved there and who Kendra was. And when he approached Kendra to ask what was going on, she explained that she was just there picking up some of Eric's things for him since he was moving out. And oh, then over so, the- I mean, that's explainable enough. Right. And then over the course of two days, she went in and packed up all of his stuff. And then Kendra herself turned the keys over to the motel manager. So that, that just was kind of strange. Odd. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of strange to the manager and also to Eric's mother. With this information, Eric's mom reached out to the authorities again. And they decided to go and interview Kendra again about what had transpired at the motel. And of course, they were told a completely completely different story. Kendra again? Does con- yeah. Kendra does confirm that she does go to the motel, but that the motel owner is a liar and that Eric was in fact with her at the time that they drove there or that they were there and they drove separate cars. Detective Sean Waterman also asked about the events that went down at the motel and this is what she had to say about that. But Waterman says the motel owner and other people who were staying there say only Birmingham was loading up Frank's belongings and Frank's was not with her. Took a right on Dixie to go back to work and he took a left. Well, both of our cars left at the exact same time. Okay, again, here's a man who has no money, no job, not a pot to piss in, and he's going to drive across the entire United States. All I know is that's what he said. Okay, so the detectives con her BS and saying, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, he has He didn't have any money, he didn't have any jobs, and he's suddenly just going to California when he literally was living in a motel. So she says that they packed up all of his stuff together, but that they left separately and that they were broken up and he still planned to go to California. She claims that when she left the motel that day, that was the last time that she saw him. But again, June, I'm going to bring it up again. She told him told Shane that she was with him in June not not March so just nothing adds up with their stories like well so far we've heard now we've heard a March date so the last time she saw him was when she was helping him load his stuff up in March Mm -hmm. and now and then we had the April date that she told his mom and aunt 
was the last mm-hmm. time she saw him. And then we have the June date. Right. And it feels like she told one version because she was caught in, caught off guard for June. Totally yeah. caught off guard by the friend calling her. And then she told the April date months later because it sounded better. And she was like, I haven't seen him since April. I have no clue what happened because that's kind of like washing your hands. And you're like, last I heard he was going to California. Exactly. And then, and then when confronted with like proof of something, someone saying, I remember her there. She comes up with a March date and then tries to wash her hands of him even sooner and being like, that was the last time I saw him. I've never seen him since. Yeah. And then Kendra offers up uh, a theory to the authorities that they should look into one of the maids at the hotel. So again, trying to wash her hands of anything. Yeah. She apparently, the maid apparently had a little crush on Eric, but she was married and her husband apparently had some ties to scary people in the area. So he probably, the husband probably did something. And there was a maid at the motel that did, in fact, bring by treats and stuff to Eric's room sometimes. And there were rumors that she had sent him some pictures. So the police do, like, look into this, and it's a good theory. But they thoroughly investigated them and concluded that there was no evidence as to them doing anything suspicious. So they dropped that. But just as quickly as she offered up a theory, they were like, it's dead in the water. It doesn't make sense. They're like, no. It's you. <laughs> That's what I would think. So, Same. Right. Shane contacts Kendra again and asks her straight up, did you kill him? And her response was, I didn't and I can prove it, which is a really bizarre statement. It's almost did she like prove it? I, I, not that I know of. It's almost like I didn't, I didn't, but I, but I know who did and my hands are clean. Right. So, obviously, she knows who it is. Well, she also already her. offered up the maid, and that went nowhere. So, who else does yeah. she know that she's not telling the police about? Right. I mean, it all all of it leads back to Kendra. Mm-hmm. And then authorities weren't able to get any concrete, concrete evidence on anything or anyone. There wasn't enough of anything to push forward. A further investigation so it kind of went cold and then shortly after all of this started going on with Kendra being questioned and everything her and John decide to move to Florida and this was apparently Back together I guess so and this was apparently a very spur of the moment decision because according to their neighbors one day they were there and the next morning everything was gone what they literally moved out in the middle of the night that doesn't scream suspicious or anything no you don't do that unless you have something to hide and even some of their extended family moved with them which is weird extended family moved extended family how can it be spur of the moment if it's extended family that's also picking up yeah I don't know. The whole case is very bizarre with them. That's that's an odd, odd timeline of things, I feel right. like. Eric's family is an started, odd time to move. Right. 
And then Eric's family started finding out some stuff about John and Kendra that they didn't know beforehand. Apparently, they were involved in an open relationship, which that works for you, do your thing. But their entire lives were evolved around money and making more of it and having more of it. And Kendra and John did confess to Eric's family that they believed he received $1 million when his father died. And that Emily, his daughter, would be getting every single cent of it. And that right there screams a motive for murder to me. I mean, yeah. But the truth was that, like, while, yes, Eric was going to inherit some money, he wasn't even going to get it until his mother passed away. And it was nowhere near a million dollars. So I don't know where they even pulled that from. Do you think possibly um, Eric had bragged about the money to try and win Kendra over? Maybe. That's a good... Yeah. Or even to the extent of like i i have i will be able to take care of you and emily if any if anything happens hopefully yeah so john and kendra also ran an adult care facility and they were currently in the middle of being sued with that also it's another good reason to skip town Yeah, there was a man apparently that was found deceased on the property and the family of the man pursued a civil lawsuit against them surrounding the man's death like it was suspicious. They're just a very suspicious couple, apparently. Interesting. Eric's Eric's mom went and put up missing posters around the area that Eric went missing and went, went on the news. And then a man came forward to authorities that was Eric's neighbor in the motel And he had left the motel and went out of town for some time for work. And then when he returned, he saw the missing posters of Eric and thought it was extremely odd. And it made no sense to him based off of what he knew about Eric, which I'm not sure how much he knew about him, but obviously enough for him to feel off about it. So his family contacts this neighbor and he says that he witnessed something that he could, that could potentially be helpful for the investigation. And that was that at the motel one day before Eric went missing, a car came flying into the motel parking lot and a man gets out and starts screaming at Eric, if you don't stop messing with my wife, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. I am going to kill you. And then he gets back in his car and drives off. Eric's oh, really? Con- yeah. Eric's family contacts authorities again about this new information. So they bring in the neighbor to identify the man in the lineup and guess who he picks out immediately. John. John. Yep. When previously John had stated to authorities that he had never ever in his life met Eric, let alone seen him in person. So Sean Waterman of Buena Vista Township Police Department interviews John in September of 2012 as well. The detectives asked Birmingham's husband if he thought Kendra killed Franks. He asked me if I thought Kendra could do it. And, you know, I gotta say, I can't imagine it. I mean, it's hard to imagine her you know, are you capable of it? No. Did you kill him? I've never met the man. So he says no, but I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, Eric has been missing for 10 years. Yeah. And there's just so much evidence that links Kendra and John being um, involved and nothing else that could be a lead 
Like he didn't minimum, have bad blood with tantra. anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, I mean, he didn't have an enemy, but I think at a minimum for sure, it links Kendra. And John uh, at least uh, probably knew about it and was protecting her. Who knows what knowledge he has. Yeah. Their stories just don't, aren't adding up at all. Yeah. I mean, they're just rushed. I mean, if you're going to lie about something, you probably should think about it so much that it becomes a truth to you and think of every every scenario where somebody could ask you a question and have an answer for it. If you're going to lie, I guess, I don't know. In 2013, the case was handed over to Michigan state police and state police took cadaver dogs over to Kendra and John's property, but nothing came of it. Unfortunately, a few years ago by and Eric's mom gets a message informing her that Emily at just 19 years old was diagnosed with a rare form of breast cancer. And apparently, really, yeah. And apparently Kendra was diagnosed with the same kind of cancer about three months later. What? Yeah. Eric's mom was devastated to hear the news about Emily and she was afraid that she was never going to meet her granddaughter if the treatment didn't work. So Eric's mom decided to go to Florida with her sister to donate money to Emily's treatment in Eric and his father's name. So Eric's mom reached out to Emily while they were there in Florida to let her know how sorry they were that she was going through all of this and that they wanted to donate some money for her treatment. At first, she seemed rather welcoming of the idea of meeting them and everything. And she was very polite, but did tell them that it was something that she would have to think about. But not long after that, she contacted Eric's Not long after that, she contacted Eric's mom again and told them she didn't want any of Eric's family contacting her ever again. So obviously she talked to her mom. Oh, that's sad. I know. I just, I don't understand human beings um, putting their differences aside and doing what's best for their children. I will never understand that. Right. In 2016, Eric's family got the news that Kendra had passed away from the cancer and what yeah and eric's mom offered condolences on a find eric facebook page that she had created so on facebook there is a a find eric i'm pretty sure i actually also am following it but a find eric facebook page so Mm -hmm. everybody go look at that page too to see any information but Kendra's family will link it in the show notes yeah absolutely but Kendra's family made a statement that they didn't think she was even dead what yeah Kendra's mom and sister are the ones who said this they commented on the post that Eric's mom posted in the find Eric page like she offered her condolences on the find Eric Facebook page about Kendra's death and Kendra's own mother and sister commented that they didn't think she was dead. Are you kidding? No. And they were invited to the funeral. It's all so sketchy. There were some family members of hers that said that they knew she was dead for a fact. And then others like her mom and her sister that didn't believe it. And there were even business partners of Kendra and John that didn't think she was dead. 
What? And appar- yeah. And apparently someone had called the funeral home to ask about the funeral arrangements and what happened with having like an actual funeral. And the funeral home said that they had worked with John in private and had done like a special embalming or something because he couldn't afford a real funeral. I don't um that's even odder right a lot of people think that she even faked her cancer which i if you go and look at pictures which will also have some pictures of kendra and emily uh on the instagram post but emily ends up losing her hair and kendra doesn't and if you have the same same stage and same form of cancer, wouldn't you be going through the same treatment plan? I mean, possibly. I know, at least I believe, that sometimes some people will lose their hair and then other people's keep it. And it there's not, I don't think that they have a specific reason why some people do retain their hair. So I mean, there is a chance that she was going through cancer treatment and she just didn't end up losing her hair or she was wearing a wig that just looked really convincing. True. A lot of people think she faked her cancer too, which I I mean, I I, if you're faking your death, you might fake your cancer. Yeah. I find it. And I'm not, not to say that I don't, I don't, I don't think 100% that she didn't have cancer. I just find it odd that a one in a billion chance, probably that you and your daughter are diagnosed with the same rare cancer, both at stage three, three months apart. I mean, that is odd. I just think it's that is so weird. Bizarre. And I, I don't know. And How long were they in cancer treatment for? That I don't know. Okay. Eric's cell phone has never been found. Eric's car was found September 2020, so last year. What? Yeah. The car had been missing all this time, and the car was found in California, which is just a huge coincidence. Eric was not in California. The owner of the car took it to be serviced just 10 days after they purchased it, at an estate, an estate cell in Saginaw, Michigan. So the car had been in Michigan this whole time, which is where never left. Kendra and John lived. And now the person who purchased the car, um, he buys cars for super cheap, details them, uh, you know, um, gets them in better shape and then resells them. And he often bought cars that were involved in fatal car accidents and things like that. So he knew what dead bodies smell like is the point that I'm getting at. And as soon as he got into Eric's car, it smelled like a dead body. And there was a very large dark stain on the floor. Um, so he was murdered in his car. It sounds that way. He had them pull a Carfax on the car to see who it belonged to previously. And Eric's name came up. And so obviously he's seeing all of the stuff about him missing. So he gets into contact with authorities after finding out this information. And you will never believe where the car was before it made it into this guy's hands. Where? The estate cell happened to be a previous patient of Kendra and John's. You're kidding. The patient 
obviously at some point in his life had gotten into some sort of accident that forced him to hire Kendra and John to be adult caregivers for him and knew that he would probably never even go into his garage and stashed Eric's car there. Oh my gosh. So the car was sitting in his garage the whole time, the whole time. And obviously this patient passed away just recently and that's when they found Eric's car. And they're hoping that this, the, the new information of, and having Eric's car can bring information to the case. But up until this point, I haven't seen any updates really on the car. I don't know. It's just so sad. Eric's family is left without a lot of answers. And the one person that has most of the answers is now gone to our knowledge and mm-hmm. I don't know the fact that he walked away from his entire life that he knew to get go and meet and hit and be involved in his daughter's life, which that's all that most women want in their when they're raising a child is for the dad to be involved if if they're a good person. And obviously Eric was. So I don't know. It's just heartbreaking. It's really sad. And it's sad that I mean, we now have his car nine years after he went missing and yeah. we haven't gotten any more answers besides his car was sitting up here and the man who lived here was a patient of John and Kendra's. Yeah. And that concludes the case of Eric Lee Franks and he's still a missing person. There's no evidence of, I mean, where he is. So I'm hoping that his car will, will, will give some, some closure to his family, but I think they would have found concrete evidence by now, since it has been almost a year, we're coming up on a year in September of them finding his car. So yeah, so sad. So sad. Um, if you do have any additional information, uh, that you think could help find Eric, or at a minimum, give information to the officers, please contact the Michigan State Police. Um, Their numbers will be in the show notes and also on the Instagram post for him. Yeah, don't forget to go follow the Instagram. They'll have a a lot of information on the cases we're covering. And then also you can interact with us on there and give any suggestions if you don't want to email us. And... Again, that is at Dark and Dudley Pod. So, yeah, I hope we're gonna everyone tr- stays safe. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna try and do a um a Monday schedule. So every Monday there should be a new episode up. This first one might be a little different just because it's gonna be the first episode. It should get uploaded to Anchor on Monday, um, and then Apple Podcast, Spotify should follow, and in, in the few days after that, but um after this first episode, it should be um, a weekly Monday thing. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this first installment of Dark and Deadly Pod. I am Gina. I am Haley. And we hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Yes. Bye. Bye.